Hello team, Sean Maloney here with a rapid fire pod intro. This is Shawnee's Ring Around, where I just go ahead and call a bunch of people I think are real characters in the world of rugby. Yep, my favourites. I'll keep it loose and they'll leave you smiling on the other side. This is Shawnee's Ring Around. <laughs> I've been hoping to catch up with this guy for a while now. Over 100 Super Rugby games, over 100 caps with the Wallabies, a Heineken Cup champion. Done all sorts of stuff over in Japan as well with Suntory, Sun Goliath. It is Matt Giddo. He is one funny, funny dude and a must-follow on Twitter and across all social media platforms. He's also a must-listen. Yeah, here he is uh, for a little brief stint back in Canberra, in Canberra. Matt Giddo, what's doing? Not much, mate. It's, uh, it's pretty cold here, actually. Colder than Japan, obviously. Yeah, well, Japan, uh, Japan's the other way. It's super hot. As soon as you even ride down the, sh- you know, the shops, you got sweat down your back, and it's that real unpleasant kind of heat, whereas here's the unpleasant cold, so I don't know where the right spot is to be. How are you going? I was thinking about this before I picked up and rang what are you more proficient at french or japanese oh Jap- uh, definitely french yeah my japanese oh i think because also the seasons you're in and out so often whereas with france we were there for 10 and a half months so for me to be able to talk with the with the boys and being able to joke um i wanted to learn french um and i want to learn japanese but it's just hard the way a sentence is put together, it's mate, It's really, really hard. I think the one thing I've gotten better at in Japan is speaking broken English. Yeah, okay, so rather than trying to commit to the Japanese, you just butcher English instead. Yeah, like <laughs> something simple like if I'm trying to tell my halfback, oh, quicker ball, I say, ball me more quick, you know, like <laughs> something like that, which makes no sense, but to them it's incredibly clear. So it's better at that. Um, so what you, you've got one season to go, don't you, over there? Is that right? Yep. Yes, we've got the what's called the top league season. So yep. we've just finished the Japan Cup, which was um, kind of a, a condensed season purely because uh, of the World Cup, them hosting the World Cup in Japan. But we had no uh, international players playing throughout that competition, and you're allowed as many foreigners as you want, um, which we just stuck with our normal quoted to develop the Japanese players, which is good. Um, and then after the World Cup, you've got everyone coming. Um, there's a lot of players that have been signed for that top league season, so I think it'll be a really tough one. Any Aussies going to your club? We have Samu Karevi coming to our club, which I know isn't super popular in Australia, but for, for me, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, not off the back of what he did to the All Blacks on the weekend. He was outstanding. Yeah, I think, um, well, it's not just him. In particular, but I'm happy to talk about him because obviously we've signed him. But yeah, he's just—I think he's always had it in him. It just seems that he's grown in confidence since having the leadership at the Reds. I think confidence in his own ability, confidence just to just to try things. You know, previously they'll play—he's probably playing probably too safe, and he's not that safe player. You know, he's not someone that you want to play safe, and he's playing with a lot of confidence as they all did on the weekend. But yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to get him over there. Where'd you watch a game? I watch a game at home. In between that and my son dancing, show me how to floss. Uh, can you can you floss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a very good flosser. How old are they both? Uh, five and 
seven. Yeah, but right. The youngest is a bit of a performer. He, he likes to do it. Um, the eldest is right into his sport now, Levi. So he, um, it's actually good on the weekends. He looks forward to who's playing um, league or AFL. He's actually not into union, uh, unfortunately, but he enjoys watching the, the All Blacks do the Harker and, and watching the Wallabies. Is he a mad Raiders fan like you were? Still am, not worse. Well, sorry, so, uh, sorry. I'm, I'm one of the great bandwagon supporters, man. They're going well. They are going super well. Um, almost like my kids, when you're watching the game, I say, who do you go for? And they'll say, oh, I don't know yet. And then once the result's in, that's who they went for. The eyes are um, up on the score ticker at the top. Yeah, so I'm pretty similar. Genius. But yeah, the Raiders are doing super well. Yeah, and the, and the Wallabies, so you watch it at home, that was, that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Mate, I thought the, um, I just thought their intensity, uh, just the conviction that they played with, like that, that confidence, um, for me, I thought it was probably one of the best performances I've seen from the Wallabies in a long time, which is so encouraging, you know, in a World Cup year, but I think the biggest challenge, and I haven't been where they were, like I haven't put on a score like that against New Zealand, but I've been in a position where we've won the first game quite well. And you've got that confidence. Um, you almost don't have the pressure of the public. You've got everyone talking you up, which is kind of the danger because even though you feel like you're preparing well, mentally you're in a different space. You know, you're not as, uh, how do I put this? You're not frightened. You know, you've got that fear of failure, I think, in that first test and that, that fear of the unknown, knowing what level the All Blacks are at, you know you've got to get up for it. So when you have that first contact, you feel like, oh, that wasn't too bad because in your head you build it up. I think the biggest challenge will be this week. They have faced it, so it's trying to get themselves mentally um, at that same intensity. It's a tough ask. Yeah, it doesn't look much fun over at Eden Park either. That's why I've never understood why a ground can be so hard to win at, like just one particular ground. Yeah, I know it's... Um, it's been such a long time since we've won there, but yeah, I don't know. For for me, every time that we went to face or play at Eden Park, it felt like a new time. You don't worry about the history. The history really means nothing because in that moment, in that week, you feel so confident. You feel like you're prepared well. You feel like you're ready to um, ready to win, um, and the results just haven't turned out that way. So I know the history won't be something that the boys have spoken about this week. It'll just be more, I think, getting their preparation right, um, just making sure that they fizz for that for that 80 minutes because if they do it, um, you know, getting the blues like that'll be a huge confidence boost and obviously a, an unbelievable trophy to win for the boys. But also it would just give them a real lot of, you know, a big dose of confidence heading into the World Cup. James O'Connor, that was, it's so nice to see him back. Did you enjoy watching him back playing? Oh, I do. I actually, I think I enjoy his interviews even more. Mm. He, um, I don't know. Just, it's almost like you're waiting for him to break character, you know, from knowing Rabs previously. But um, I obviously spent some time with him at Toulon, and you could see him starting to transform into a different person, and in a good way, obviously. And I think his partner has, has been amazing uh, in helping that transformation, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a good story. I mean, yeah, I love you know I, I love good stories. I love Australia having the the best players playing for him, and I think James is one of them. You know, he, he realizes how much it means to him to be back, and 
not to talk about myself, but when I first came back from, from France um, in 2015, that first test when I got to start, I kind of understand the feelings and the emotions he's going through and how grateful he would be. And then to get a win and such a massive win and to play in a different position, all those challenges he faced, uh, yeah, I'm really happy for him, really pleased for him. Why is it so hard to play at 13 for... For people that don't follow rugby closely, that was all the chat in the lead up to that. Why is it such a tricky position? I think defensively it's really tricky. Um, I remember talking with, when I first came to the Brumbies, talking with Sterling Mortlock around, um, you know, trying to understand my role defensively at 12. Uh, I knew a lot of traffic would come at me, but uh, being a smaller player, but if I, there's just so many decisions to be made on the edge. If you, bite in and try and make a big tackle if you see a runner coming and you really rush from the outside in you kind of leave us isolated on the end you know if they play the ball out the back or um, just the different variations the different decisions that you've got to make at that split moment um, can really fracture your your defensive line so I think from a backline point of view 13 is the hardest position to defend at because you are so isolated with 12 and, and 10, you've got inside and outside help. Um, often your winger is is back a little deeper, you know, potentially waiting for a kick or, or whatever else. So I just think defensively you feel so isolated out there. Um, from attack, I, I think obviously the way we played Samu as that first phase carrier kind of enabled James to play more of a 12 role, I think, in attack. So he could play a bit looser and he could get a lot more comfortable so I don't think attack wise it looked like a big shift for him but I just think defensively there's a lot of decisions to be made yeah it worked out nice hopefully they uh, keep it rolling this weekend and then so you're talking there like a coach is that what you're going to do is that what's next for you in Japan um I don't know I'm, I'm at that stage now where um yeah I'm, I'm enjoying my football yeah I really enjoy competing but you know, I think I obviously miss the family uh, because I do, you know, long stints over there by myself. So I'm at that stage where, you know, I'm looking to decide. I'm not sure really what the future holds at the moment. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things um, potentially that I'd like to do. Rugby's always something that it's all I've ever known, really. Mm. You know, like when I left school, I was fortunate enough to get picked for the Wallabies out of club football. So I really didn't have a chance to, to start anything else um, or really have a passion for anything else. So I'm undecided whether I just try something totally new and test myself and throw myself in a new environment um, potentially that I could be passionate about or if I use these skills that I've acquired over the last, you know, I don't know, 18, 19 um, years playing rugby, whether... I use those because it's all I've got. It's all I've really acquired, you know, during that time. So I'm not sure, really. And I I think with coaching as well, obviously, there's a lot of time away from family. And that's also something that doesn't appeal to me at the moment. So, How do you guys manage that? So you do this long stints away. I know Georgie Smith did long stints away. I know Gerardo did the same with his time in Japan. How do you manage it? Well, I think, well, you, you, you don't. Well, you do, but you just... I mean, I just train and focus on the football and know that my kids are, are going to school. They're, they're giving themselves the best chance to learn. I think it's the best environment for them. So 
that's why they're here. Um, myself and my wife, you know, we we manage and try and make it as as normal as possible. The kids, you know, miss me, but I think kids are kids. One week, eight weeks, ten weeks, it's all a long time for them. Yeah. 24 hours can be a long time. Yeah, so, good point. Um, yeah, it's more just FaceTime. I FaceTime them every day. I think that helps a lot, you know, being able to see me. Um, they tell me about their day. Um, we just try and keep to stick to routines, you know, just to keep it as normal as possible for them. But, you know, it's not ideal, but it's not forever as well. So I think that, that helps. Kids love routine. What do you reckon you go into if you weren't playing footy? <laughs> oh, mate. Have you thought about uh, that at all? No. No, there's, there's a couple of opportunities that I have, but I haven't explored them. You know, like a lot of people say, gee, you should have studied when you played footy or you should have done this. You, you, you really should have built up a career. Um, while you were working on your rugby, which you know I can see merit in what people are saying, but I, I personally believe this is my opinion: is that if you were to, and this is how it would work for me, and I'm not saying that it worked for every player, but if I was to put some of my time and energy into something else, I feel I wouldn't have been as competitive or that invested in rugby um, internationally to play at the, the best level that you know I could play at. I think for me, the, the way I'm wired, I need to be focused on the one thing, um, dedicate everything I've got, give rugby everything I've got, um, and then when it's over, potentially look at other opportunities. But, yeah, I, I couldn't... There's, there's no way that I could study and play rugby at the same time. And if I did, I feel that I would have retired potentially five, six years ago. No no, I just don't think that... I would have been able to invest as much um, in rugby. And no point looking back either, really, is there? Well, no, I mean, I, I don't regret anything. I'm happy with the choices I've made. I really enjoyed the football and the experiences that rugby has given me, you know, from to travel, to take my family around the world just playing a sport. Like, it's pretty incredible when you actually think about it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm incredibly grateful for, you know, the time that I've had in rugby and, and the friendships I've made and the memories I've, I've made, not just for myself, but for my family. Um, and then whatever happens after football happens. So um, whatever that will be, I'll, I'll give it everything I've got. And who knows? Who well, knows, mate? Me and you may start a podcast. You that, never know. I think I think you go right in that space. You're doing uh, corporate stuff through. I can't pronounce the name of the country. Is it Society Generale? Yes, that's you're doing that through the World Cup. Yeah. So they they say Société Générale. <laughs> it's just a French bank. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of the major sponsors. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get an ambassador role. Um, there's a few of us uh, around the world that have them. Um, who, el- who else have you got in the team? So we've got Johnny Wilkinson. So he brings, I think, probably the brand up. Um, you know, he, he probably represents us, but he, he doesn't add anything from a corporate point of view. It's quite boring. Um, but people love that. They know that's what they're going to get with him. Uh, we've got Thierry Dussetois, which... Again, brings a lot of um, honour, I suppose, to the to the company. Some prestige. Yeah, prestige, I suppose. Um, he's also got that nice little French accent when he speaks English. So, obviously, being a French bank as well, um, having Terry there, it, it helps talking to, to clients. Um, uh, we've got uh, Ayuma, I think it, Goromaru. Mm-hmm. Goromaru yeah, Goromaru, the Japanese bike. Yes, so he is a superstar over there. Really? Like, oh, like there would not be one player in world rugby 
that I think would go close to him in Japan. Wow. I'm just talking in Japan, but we, you know, they're obviously, you know, it's quite a densely populated place, but it's, after a game, he, the rest of the players, including everyone in our team, will enter, will exit one area. He has his own private area, and you can just hear people screaming for him like children, like he's Justin Bieber. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, when I first got there, because I played with him at Toulon, mm. um, and he enjoyed that, that, privacy and just the quietness of being able to get around and um, go places with his kids and not be hassled. But I think even for his son's own birthday at Disneyland, he couldn't go because he would have been mobbed. So for his son to enjoy it, he let him go. He's huge, mate. So you'll have him there too. So him and then then I'm dragging the train. I think I'm maybe, I'll be like our joke or I'm I'm the (laughs) someone that you make fun of or... You know, he's never won anything. Look at him, he's a little bloke. I don't know, like. I just know my role, and I'll try and perform it. Like um, so, do you have to speak French at these do's and get ups and gigs? Oh, potentially. It, yeah. it depends. You, you're there, the obviously the the the, the country or the, the brand um, is French, so they have a lot of French people that work for them. So there, there's drips and drabs of French, but they obviously have. Japanese clients, um, English clients, so they try and cater for everyone. Um, but if need be, I could speak very informal French. I don't. I learnt the very basic informal way of speaking French just so I could communicate with teammates. Whereas when you're out and about and you're supposed to, supposed to talk to elders a bit more respectfully with vous, whereas I say tu, just because if you say tu, you, it's the same word every time for I, you. Us, I just learnt that very informal way. Yep. Um, and I don't try and jazz it up with a real French accent, so they understand. <laughs> I'll speak French, but with an Australian accent, if that makes sense. Um, so that then they know I'm not being disrespectful. Gotcha. They just know, okay, well, at least he's just trying. He's having a dip. And I guess the other thing as well, now that uh, you've got a little bit of time here and there in between looking after the boys and your partner. Uh, these all-time 15s that you've been coming up with on the Twitters have been outstanding. So good. Started with the wrestling one, and it's just rolled on from there. Let's let's go through some of your wrestling all-time 15s. So just guys who are wrestlers that have then caught your eye as potential rugby players. Yeah, well, the whole idea... I remember doing it once in France, um, just picking a, a wrestling 15, and then I threw it out there um, on social media, and I think I had a few regrets. I think I jumped down a little early, um, didn't think it through, uh, whereas this time in Japan, I was by myself. I had a lot of time. I spent, it would have been at least, oh, honestly, probably five hours at a cafe. This myself. is time well spent. Um, I just write down every wrestler I could think of um, in a piece of paper, and then I just start to narrow it down. So I end up coming up with my team, and there were a lot of people that came at me with alternatives. But I'm so set on the way I wanted to play the game, and and the players that I've got that I had a response every time for someone uh, when they were picking me apart. So, and then from there, obviously, you picked it up and you had your. I, I just thought, I thought you just left. Like I think I had to include the bushwhackers in there, which got me thinking. What was I mean? Because it's so definitive in terms of the generation of 
WWE or WWF that you watched as well. That's a big influence on your starting team. So who were the wrestlers that, that you watched as a kid that kind of had you replicating it in the lounge room? I think it was like the Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, Ravishing Rick Rude. I mean, <laughs> the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Jim, Superfly Jimmy Snooker. So like, that, was, that was my era that I really loved. Like, the guys, when they would really perform, they, they played their role. I even been, I've been listening a fair bit to Jake the Snake Roberts. He does a podcast. Does he? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he didn't make the 23 that I've got, but I, I think I had him as physio potentially. Yeah. Um, just he's got that snake juice or something like that. <laughs> he, um, that was my era. Mate, I, I loved it. it you was... were talking about the Bushwhackers just before. Yeah. A lot of people came to me about them. I mm. just thought they're incredibly ill-disciplined. <laughs> and the big games are going to cost you. <laughs> it was Butch and Jake, wasn't it? They were the first names, Butch and Jake. Yeah. Yeah, I, the, the, I don't think they were on. really from New Zealand because that was kind of the thing. Everyone said they were from NZ. That was part of the spiel. I don't think they were. Well, who knows? I mean, it certainly looked that way when they smiled. Though, <laughs> That's part That's of the mystery. Joke, you know, That's... <laughs> there are some New Zealanders out there. I actually do have some New Zealand friends, so... <laughs> Oh. Uh, then, oh, yeah, I'm drive, all that stuff, you know. It was, um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly respect them. You've also got the Demolition Brothers, which I left out as well. Yeah. But, um, oh, the, that's the beauty of it. You've got your team, you stick with it, and it just allowed so many people to pick their era that they grew up in, or also the style of rugby they wanted to play. But um, how long do you I, reckon if you actually did assemble an all wrestling fifteen? Gave them, let's give them a month's prep. How do you reckon they go? Gee, a month. Might be tough. I've got Rikishi and Yokozuna in the front <laughs> row there. I think to get them to get them firing, I might need a little... I think I'd bring them in early. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I think ball skills are going to be a real... I couldn't imagine them having a real slick pass on them. Any of them, really. You might need to keep it tight. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they'd be a bit of pick and drive even from the 15. I was speaking um, to, um, I was speaking to, just to spin it the other way, uh, Angus Bell, who's like this up-and-coming gun prop who played Aussie 20s uh, in the World Cup when they finished second in Argentina the other month, and he said when they played Georgia, Georgia didn't pass. They just played pick and drive for 80 <laughs> minutes. That's all they did. We had plenty of Georgians in our team in, in Toulon, and I think... The stats in, in top 14 in the French comp were ridiculous. There was something like, could be 40 Georgians and 22 of them were front rowers, yeah. I think. Like, it, it, they love to scrum. We love scrum. Come on, let's scrum. That's all they want. Yeah, yeah which is good for us. We said, yep, yeah, all right, we'll knock it on. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> all yours. Hey, what about your uh, rugby league 15? Yeah, so this one um, got a lot of people upset. Mm. They... Um, Namely, Steve Halls, who is a tragic for uh, Tigers. The Tigers. Mm. He um, he critiqued my team because it was quite green. It, there's a lot of Raiders players in there, and they had Tim Sheens coaching, which he also <laughs> coached at the West Tigers as well. So I don't understand um, where he was coming from. The the rule I had was more that they just couldn't have played rugby professionally, um, which someone picked me up on. I had Ricky Stewart in there at nine. Uh, apparently he's played professionally, has he? Rugby? No. Yeah. No, I didn't think so either. Anyway, but you know, you've got those keyboard warriors that'll come out <laughs> and they try and pick my team apart, which I, which I'm very fond of. 
I'm the CEO, so. Well, this, this, but that's what it's all about, like sparking it up, getting people chatting about it. Why did you not have Jonathan Thurston anywhere in your team? Uh, it was the nineties to two thousands I went with. Ah, oh, you did too. Career. You you did. You set the you set the bracket. Why did you not have Wally Lewis in your team? Uh, where do you put him? Anywhere he wants to go. He's the king. Yeah, he is the king. Um, he might have to be the king of your team because he didn't make mine. <laughs> so we uh, there was one one person I had Kenny Nagus on the wing. Someone came with me and said you should have ET Andrew Eddinghausen, which I reluctantly said. Look, Kenny, I love you, but you've got to go. Oh, so he got bounced. I brought ET in. Yeah, just for the, just for marketing alone, he just he would add people to that matchup. Oh, I, I could you imagine? Just, mm. you, you just give him a. I, I could imagine straight away we'd pick pick up Rexona off the back of having ET yeah. there. Yeah, and you know straight the other off, thing, just spraying under the arms. Yeah, you know, the other thing, he'll just take he'll take you on a fishing trip. That's the other thing you got to remember. A great angler, ET. Uh, yeah, he used to have his own fishing the- show. Yeah, so we've got Mal in there. He's got his fingers in a lot of pies, so I think from a sponsor's point of view, there'll be a lot of contraband for the boys. Um, other than that, I think Glenn Lazarus, he's he's quite good from a law point of view, isn't he? Yeah, I mean it's a well it's a well rounded team, I'll give you that. Uh, I'm gonna have to get I'm gonna have to get in the mix and, and try and create one. The other one that uh, that bounced out, there's another guy that's going back at you. On Twitter, uh, Rob Vickerman, who's a good mate of mine from the Seven Series, who um, used to actually captain England, he's nuts for this sort of stuff. He came up with the idea for one, so you had to pick rugby backs as forwards uh, and then uh, vice yeah, versa. Yeah. And that's a good I one. That's a good one to consider. It is a very good one to consider, but the reason I never considered it is because I could not pick myself in that squad. No, you, no, you can't. Well, and, but where would you? Yeah, you can't. Well, but where would you put I, yourself even anyway? If I could, I'd like to be biased. Even if I could, I couldn't pick myself. There's no, there's nowhere in the forwards that I could play, and I know that. So that's why I totally ignored that conversation. <laughs> what about my all-time fifteen, like one man fifteen? I went yeah, with, yeah, I, I went that. with your good buddy George Smith, and you yeah. went with your also good buddy Drew Mitchell. Fifteen Drew Mitchells, I think. I think off-field, um, there could potentially be some dramas with 15 Drews in the mix. Why did you go for him? Well, I think if you if automatically you switch to off-field, I don't know how you chose George Smith. Then. Well, I, again, there would be some issues there midweek in terms of training and probably boozing. Yeah. I, I think also there may be a couple of issues with George's speech, whichever one is the captain, whoever has to talk, because he is one of the great Tonglish speakers. <laughs> He doesn't get English right. He doesn't get Tongan right. But he's <laughs> right in the middle there. When no maybe he's not. Maybe out. he's like you when you speak French. He's just not putting the accent on, and it's kind of or he is putting the accent on. It's getting mixed up both ways. Yeah, potentially if he's got fourteen <laughs> other Georges around, they'll understand him. But, the, but I think as far as a commercial game goes, you can't have George and Drew. You've got one Drew Mitchell, you've got two, you've got 30. You can never have enough, in my opinion. <laughs> How did you... I've, I've asked him this question before. Why does he call you beef? Gee, I don't know. Um, he didn't really know either. No, I think... Um, could have been Nathan Sharp, or maybe it was Stephen Moore once. He's just saying, oh, what's going on, beef? And I was like, oh, nothing, beef. Like, because I'd never heard it before. So I was like, oh, nothing, beef. And, like, really threw the beef in there. And Drew maybe heard it, and he's going... Yeah, what's doing beef? And that just became something where we'd say beef a lot. It annoyed the shit out of Stephen Moore. Um, he then didn't use it anymore. I think we've just picked it up. I think that's how it came. And it's stuck. It's it's been there since. He's mad for the beef. Yeah, yeah we 
love beach. Yeah, he's all about it. Okay, so we've we've done uh, we've done like a bunch of them. I was this morning considering this next one, and I actually rang around. I rang Cave, who was about to jump in the car with. Justin Harrison, I rang Scotty, Sumo Stevenson in NZ to get some input from that side of the ditch. I'm chasing an all-time touring 15, just 15 great tourists. That is a sensational idea. Mm. So I have, so as it stands, I've got space up front. Number two is Jeremy Paul, who will also vice-captain the outfit. Uh, just the vice-captain? Well, I've got Andrew Mertens at 10. As captain? As captain. Jeez. Um, and, and the leadership group, actually, do you know what the funny thing is? When I started going through it, it made me wonder how the Brumbies ever won a game because potentially there's up to seven or eight guys from the Brumbies through late 90s who could be in this starting outfit. Well, when I got brought in, we had an incredible ability to hit that switch off button. Um, the boys were, were like, you're coming through and I'm quite nervous, but the way they just relaxed and loved to have fun away from the field... Um, I think, obviously, they, they also were so confident in their own abilities. Everyone knew, a bit like Toulon. When we were at Toulon, we had some great times, some real good fun, but we knew when the big games came, each player would, would know their role and, and they'd perform. So, but, yeah, I think who would you have? You've got to have Owen. Did Owen get a run? Yeah, Owen's going to be sick. So I'm going to, after I get off the phone to you, I'm going to start crafting it. You can craft yours as well. We maybe throw them out there around the same time. So Owen 6, I've got uh, Bobby Skinstad as my 8. Another oh, great. Yeah. I haven't heard too much about. Oh, he's a great. He's a great. He's one of the great tourists. Uh, they did Oktoberfest with him a couple of years back. That was an eye opener. And uh, on the other on the other side, actually, it's gonna just gonna be a big back row. I don't have a genuine open side. Uh, Andy Powell from Wales, who famously oh, wow. he famously nicked a golf cart and set off down the M4 motorway in it, just flooring it. So that kind of moxie and go forward. Uh, it's a huge back row and. Boy, oh boy, they will get us headed in the right direction. I think Andy Powell is almost captain material. We had him in, uh, I think it was 2004, it could have been, or maybe, no. Anyway, one of those barbar years, and he was blind. Like, usually you, you drink or you'd prepare mentally, obviously, every day, but physically you'd have a few drinks. Monday, well, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you tone it down. Thursday, just a few beers. Friday off, which is captain's run. And then you'll play a test against, generally, New Zealand or South Africa, that time of the year for us, which was you, you're knocking on death's door in that warm-up. And you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? This guy was so fizzed up, even like the day of the game, and he drank every single day, went out, performed like a genius, and he was best on ground after the game as well. Like, he is an amazing choice. I might have to... I'm. You know what? Maybe you can have him as your Captain. skipper. I'll keep, I'll keep Mertz, and you can take the Welshman. But it's... I mean... But the, you know the other funny thing as well is when I was thinking through some of these names, and the other issue or the other area I'm struggling is up front, so I need someone to give JP a hand in the front row. So that's... Oh, Carl Heyman? Yeah, I think you might have me covered up front because um, I'm struggling a touch in that regard. But um, if you actually assembled this all-time Tourists 15, it would potentially... You could take that team to the World Cup and they'd go deep. Oh, they would, they'd go very deep. Um, Billy Young would be a nice... The, the thing that I have... Well, I've got a lot of respect for him, but I'm just... I can't, I can't pick him the way this is done. Greaves won't make anyone side, I'd imagine. To, no, and I, and I think he probably would be okay with that. Yeah, I think he would be. But who would be your nine? See, for me, I look. I like Mike Phillips. 
know Ooh. he uh, he'll go on a few drinks, read the newspaper, and then he'll tweet journalists that given him a poor review <laughs> publicly. Back when he was playing for Wales, so he, uh, that's a man that I'd like to have in there, and I'd like to know a journalist just to write something bad about him. <laughs> well, maybe maybe if he doesn't get picked for this squad, he'll be coming after you. Oh no, he's in. <laughs> he's already in. Byron Kelleher was a name that popped up. There's a lot of uh, potential danger in your team. Yeah, I know. I mean, game day could be... It could go one of two. Um, but what a ride. <laughs> mate, what about the stories you could tell in jail to each other? <laughs> oh, mate, I can't, uh, I can't wait to assemble it. And I also can't wait for the World Cup. So is that where... That's where you're off to next, isn't it? No more footy for the moment. And then we're a month out from RWC. Yep, yeah, exactly. So... Um... I'll, uh, I've got a touch family touch tournament in Hong Kong in a couple of days uh, yep. that I'll be doing for Societe Generale, and then I'll be over there for, for the opening game, Japan versus Russia. And I mean, the Japanese are playing incredibly, incredibly well at the moment. I think they've had a huge preparation. I think the, the, a lot of the players, the main squad players, weren't picked to play Super Rugby. Uh, they were given particular tests that they play games following the Sunwolves. So they might play the Highlanders B. I think they played the Brumbies B here. But the Brumbies B wasn't actually their B because you had the Brumbies playing. At the same time, you still had the local first grade happening. So the they weren't released to play for Brumby B there. So they've had like a real easy lead up into this. I think they've got a Pacific Nations tournament, yeah, which yeah, they've just taken out. Yep. So they, they won that pretty convincingly, which for me, I think for the tournament to do well, Japan need to start well. So... I'm looking forward to that first game where they play Russia and hopefully have a huge win. And then from there, you'll just see this this country roll on and, and get behind everyone. I think it could have been a couple of days ago, I saw uh, some locals learning the, the Fijian National Anthem, I think it was. just Yeah, yeah, so no, I did see that. I saw that on... They, they're so respectful. It's insane how respectful they are. Yeah. And it's, it's just because they're so proud of their country... They want everyone to enjoy it. So if it means they've got to learn 10 languages, they'll do it. After a, after a game, a lady came up to me my first season there and she said, oh, how do you like um, Japan? I said, no, I really love it. It's great. You know, the people are friendly and um, the food's great. She said, oh, thank you so much for liking our country. I was like, I'm not saying it just to, you know, to, to make you happy. I actually really do enjoy the country. But that gives you the mindset of how much they want everyone to really enjoy Japan and show off the best parts of it. So I think the World Cup's going to be pretty special. Yeah, she's going to be a beaut, mate. Hopefully I can catch up with you over there for a, uh, a cult one and okay. a bowl of miso soup. You get working on your all-time Tourist 15. I'll do the same, and yep. uh, we'll catch up soon. Beautiful. Thanks for the chat, buddy. See you soon. No Bye, mate. Well, there's another one in the rearview mirror. Matt Guido, so good with his work on social media and obviously still doing terrific things in Japan as well with Sun Tori. And if you're not yet, you've got to give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram. But Twitter is where I think he does his best work. Alrighty, don't forget to subscribe to The Ring Around on Spotify if you're not yet. And I will be back again next week with another super lineup of guests.